Hey, welcome to the August 2019 episode of Write You a Song, brought to you in part by Songwriter City, which can hook you up with songwriters for your corporate event. The songwriters will do their hits and share their stories behind them. You can find out more at songwritercity.com. I'm Tom Maley, and if you're listening to the podcast today for the first time, awesome. We have 10 other shows you can also access with songwriters like Jeffrey Steele, Liz Rose, Brett James. And if you like what you hear, do us a favor. Take a minute and give us a rating and a review. It helps spread the word about what we're doing, which is putting a spotlight on the creative talent, write the songs that become a part of our lives. Now, quick note about this month's Write You a Song. We were not able to connect with songwriter Natalie Hemby, as promised at the end of last month's podcast. She's currently knee-deep in promoting her new group, The High Women, so we totally understand. We will definitely keep trying to get her onto a future episode. So instead... We're happy to bring you a songwriter who's had a fair bit of success over the years himself, writing for the likes of Carrie Underwood, Joe Nichols, Jason Aldean, and especially Brad Paisley. To the world, you may be just another girl. Kelly Loveless has 14 number one hits. It'll be 15 if Jason Aldean's current single, Rearview Town, reaches the top of the charts. But as you'll hear, Kelly doesn't take a single hit for granted. Kelly Loveless on Write You a Song. And I love the fact it's just, it's so country that we're talking to you and you're on a cell phone right now and you're trying to drive to a place where there are four bars so you <laughs> you can talk to yeah. me without dropping yeah. out. That's about as country as it gets right there in 2019. Exactly right. And we're not talking about four bars as in honky-tonks. We're talking about cell signal. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, my God. That might so, be a song right there. I think you may yeah, have just there come There you go. We might have hit something. We might have <laughs> hit something already. We've all, we're already making money. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, like a, a simple little phrase like that, kind of a throwaway, four bars. Yeah, is is that a, an idea? Or like potentially, Actually, could... it's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> all right, I just want like five percent. That's all. That's that. Yeah, that's well. We're so anybody who's listening, forget you heard the intro uh, to this, and uh, so Tom and I can uh, write this and, and make some money one day. <laughs> No, but actually, that's that's interesting. That's uh, that's when you say stuff like that, and we say stuff to be funny all the time. And then something that, like with my buddies, we're talking on the phone, we're just saying stuff to be stupid, you know, and or to be funny to make somebody laugh. And then somebody says something, and it's like, huh? All right, write that down. I'm driving, and we'll write that later. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a perfect jumping off point because uh, one of the things that when I was getting ready for this interview that I read about you is that you kind of think of yourself more as an idea guy as opposed to uh, a, a melody guy. Um, you're more right. about bringing ideas to the table. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, you know, if if I if I have a gift, that would be uh, what it what it would be is just trying to and early on in my career, just trying to figure out. Uh, what what's your strength, you know, because 
Nashville is, is such a co-writing town. And like, if, if I wasn't able to co-write with people, I wouldn't have any hits, you know? And so, so I just, but I'll also know there's a lot of great writers, especially when there's artists and things like that. For me, you know, years ago, I was thinking, okay, this writer is already, I think this writer is better than me. So they can already write a song without me. They can probably write a hit song without me. What can I bring to the table? And so the one thing that a person doesn't have uh, is my ideas. They don't have my ideas. They only have their ideas. So I can bring something to the table in that way, which could make me valuable. Well, and it's interesting that you say that and put it that way. One of our guests a couple of months ago is a guy that you have written with, Lee Thomas Miller, and he talks about oh, yeah. having ideas in almost the, the same exact way. When yeah, you, okay. absolutely. So what happens is, like, will the two, let's say you you two are sitting down with a a, a writing session with, with Brad Paisley, who you've written a lot of songs right. with. Um, will you guys, like, bring out your little, I don't know, book of ideas and then... Brad starts coming up with the melody and the and the process goes from there and then you start working on the lyrics. How how does that work? Or is it different every time? Well, it's it's different dependent on uh who you're writing with, but since you mentioned Brad specifically, which like you say, we have a one, we have a great relationship with Brad. So it's uh if you're straight up songwriters to have any any good friendship relationship with an artist is is a huge benefit because you, you have more time with them to pitch a lot of your stupid stuff. To see if one of your stupid things interests the artist. If you only have one day with somebody and you don't know them very well, you're probably not going to pitch them anything crazy. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But sometimes the crazy stuff works, but you don't want to think you're an idiot, you know? But with, with Brad, uh, what we would do, first off, if we're writing with Brad, say, tomorrow, we and I are probably together today. If we hadn't already got together two or three days or nights before, brainstorming, trying to give something get something ready to pitch him so we're not wasting his time because it does take, especially an artist like Brad, one, one, he's a great writer. Two, he's had a lot of hits and there's a lot of material he's covered. He's covered almost every topic. So it's going to be even more, it's increasingly more challenging and difficult to impress him. And so we would spend a lot of time. We would never come in that room cold because that would be extremely stressful. Um, we try to have something you're not pre-writing, you're just brainstorming for ideas because he's not going to want to hear something all the way fleshed out or mapped out. It's just a basic, a basic general outline. Here's the idea and here's what we think. And then if he likes that, uh, if he likes something, he will pick up a guitar. If not, he's going to sit there and look at, he's going to look at his phone. He's going to look at Twitter and we're going to realize he's not interested in anything that we're saying. And then we may go to lunch. <laughs> oh, man. It can get awkward? Yes, it does get awkward because, you know, for for us, especially for me, we're looking for validation every day. You know, regardless of what hits you've had, what songs you've had recorded, what relationships you have, have with, with artists in the industry, uh, it's not about your bio. It's like, what what can you do today? What are you bringing to the table today? So every day I start at zero, and which can be stressful and because you can't get the validation every day, but that's what you're trying to do, especially when you have the opportunity to write with an artist. So if you're pitching out your best stuff and you've said your first two or three things and nothing lights up, then immediately inside me, I get really small. It's like, ah, crap, that's, that's the best stuff I have. And then they'll say, well, what else you got? 
I'm like, well, I've got another 200 ideas that you've passed on <laughs> over the last 10 years. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> Can you think of an idea that you didn't think in any way, shape, or form, he or any other artist uh, wouldn't go for, you pitched it anyway, and, and they lit up? Uh, I'm trying to, it seems like to me, actually, the, the, the one that I didn't pitch it, the, the one that stands out the most, and I've got a different, a different story or just somewhat on that question. But, but when, when Brad pitched, uh, loosely pitched out, check you for ticks, um, that was a moment when, even though he was huge at the time, and me and Tim Owens were, we were actually out in uh, California. They had a Brad and Kim had a place in the Pacific Palisades, and and which is kind of funny because you're in this, you know, upper echelon area of California, and and we end up writing a song about bugs in <laughs> Tennessee. You know what I mean? Which is it's just so odd. Like why did why did he pitch that there? But anyway, we were on a like a two to three day, you know, just a just a writing retreat, you know, he, we all flew out there just, just for that to brainstorm. And really Tim and I, during that time, we, we were riding a lot with Brad and we, we really didn't have anything. We didn't have anything that would, that interest him. And so, so Brad's like, no guys, it needs to be something different. And, uh, and so we're, you know, just scrambling, pacing, you know, just drinking as much coffee as possible, praying, you know, anything just to try to come up with an idea and then Brad was just sitting there, and he said, "Wait!" He goes, and "He goes, he goes. I'd like to check you for ticks." And we just kind of looked. He just kind of laughed a little bit, and and he just kind of laughed. And I said, "I said, oh, like like a song? Is that what you mean? Like it, like to write it?" And he goes, "I don't know." And I went, "Oh God, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's funny. I don't know if that can be a song or not." Like, was there you just a, a moment where you thought maybe he was actually asking if? He could check you for ticks. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. Which I realized after say, saying that, I thought, okay, that could come off that way. So, thank you, Tom, for that clarification. Uh, no, it's just, it's it just. I thought, I thought it was a way of uh, stalling, you mm-hmm. know, to see if he was going to say something else. You know what I mean? But, but it was more of a more of a thing of, of just, you know, I thought he was just saying a funny line. Sometimes we'll say stupid things, you know, just to make somebody laugh. You know. Mm-hmm. You say, well, if you didn't like that, what do you think about this? And it's an outlandish idea that no one would ever write or say. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so so I was just clarifying, seeing if he was seriously pitching that. And he wasn't sure about it either. So much so that, that he said, I, I said, so, do you, so you mean like a song? Like, you want to write that? And he said, I, said, I don't know. I was just thinking about it. Every time you take a sip In this smoky atmosphere Press that bottle to your lips And I wish I was your beer And in the small there of your back Your jeans are playing peekaboo I'd like to see the other half Of your butterfly tattoo Yeah.
I've got one one story that's not an actual idea, and it does it's it was about Lee and I since we were talking about Lee Miller um, that that where we didn't have an idea, and it was it was for Brad, and we had been stressing out you know for you know six six months trying to come up with something you know for him you know that's that's new, and we were writing stuff you know along the way, but each time you write one, you're trying to you're trying to write another one, you know, and so so anyway, we had nothing and. Uh, finally, I'd throw out the opening lines to um, the song that ended up being "I'm still a guy," you know. And I don't know what made me th- think of those opening lines, but and Lee had said when I threw it out, you know, I'd say, "When you see a deer, you see Bambi. I see antlers up on the wall." You know, Lee said, "What's that?" And I said, "I don't know, but he'll record that." And he said, "What's the title?" I said, "I don't know, but he'll record that." When you see a deer, you see Bambi. And I see antlers up on the wall When you see a lake, you think picnics And I see a largemouth up under that log You're probably thinking that you're gonna change me In some ways, well, maybe you might Scrub me down, dress me up all but no because I could just it was just kind of a guy you know type thing and we live in Williamson County and which is a uh, you know affluent area here in you know, Tennessee it's in the middle of you know middle Tennessee it's in cool springs and and it just seemed like a time where even my wife you know kind of wanted me to do go to the school and take the pink cupcakes with her to Valentine's Day in second grade things like that of which I did, and she made me pressure me into it, and then I realized that I was the only dude there, you know. And then it's like, okay, why? Are, why do I have to be you? Why do we have to be the same things? You know what I mean? So it was, all those things were kind of tucked away in there. So anyway, then we got that, you know, in, in a form enough to pitch it to Brad. Then Brad loves it, you know, and then we end up writing it that that night, and he was just all about it and just laughing. But that was one of those those moments where it wasn't an idea, but and it wasn't anything crazy that you thought he wouldn't like. I guess it's actually the opposite of your question because I knew that he would like it, even though you had no idea what it was going to be. You didn't have a title. I'm dragging his knuckles and carrying a club and building a fire in a cave. But when you said back rub means only a back rub, then you swat my hand when I try. Well, now what can I say at the end? So let's back up a little bit and talk about your early days. I just finished reading a book called Outliers. Uh, I don't know if you read that okay. or not, uh, but it's all it, it's all about kind of strange breaks that really successful people get, just kind of random things that happen that put them on a path towards success. And I think yours might be the story of you getting when you were in the army. Uh, you were at a at a post, and everybody forgot about you for twelve hours, and and you ended up. Right. Is, is the story true? That's when you ended up writing your very first song because you were bored out of your mind. Yeah, that, that's exactly true. I'd always you know written uh, poetry and things like that, but mainly just to girlfriends, just to get girls. I'd never written a song. I didn't know that was a job or anything like that. And I was at Fort Benning, and they did. They did leave me for 12 hours to guard this equipment. Keeping in mind, we were in Fort Benning, Georgia, on the base. There's no, wasn't wartime. Nothing was dangerous or anything like that, but they did forget. I was there for 12 hours. So after three hours, they were trying to pick out 
doodle bugs with little pine needles trying to pull them out of the ground. I mean, you can only do that for so long. You know, there's not <laughs> cell phones or anything like that. It was 87, so you didn't have any, any anything else to do. And so I always had this little notebook in my pocket, and, and I just sat there and I wrote, wrote my first song. And then when I wrote it, I was so excited to get back to the barracks to try to put some some music to it. And fr- from that experience and from, from that day is when I decided I wanted to come out of the Army and be like Elvis. I was going to come out, <laughs> sort of come out, and take over the world. You know that didn't exactly happen like that, uh, but that's the story. Were you a musician at that time? Did you play guitar? I played a little guitar. There was a guy; his name was David McCormick in our barracks, and he was a an excellent rock and roll guitar player. I had played guitar um, before I got in the army, but not not well. You know, just practice it some. I really wasn't good. I wasn't a natural. I'm still not a musician. If somebody says, "Hey, are you a, are you a player?" I would say no. Um, but I play well, good enough to get the song out, and I play the writer night stuff like that. But you don't have to. Thank God, you don't have to be that great to do that. Uh, the better you are, the better it sounds. But you don't have to be a great musician to be a, to be a hit songwriter. So he, we had worked on guitar a little bit in the army, just out of boredom, and so I did know enough to get in there and try to pick off a a Hank Jr. song. When I thought I was brilliant, there's three chords in it, and I would learn that and think I was a savant. You know? <laughs> so. so that first song, do you remember it? How was it received when you presented it to the guys back in the barracks? I don't remember that. I just remember uh, I remember the title, and I don't remember specific lines except for the, the song was called The Things I Value in Life, You know, which, which as a writer right now, if you were to pitch me that song, you know, I would say, well, I didn't sound very different. Hopefully you've really done something uh, to make that song really original. But, but the opening line line was, um, I've got seven pair of cowboy boots, one for every day of the week, some are where to work, some are where to church, some are where to wade in the creek. I do remember that part. And that's mm. about, that's about all I really remember. But, but it was just about the country way of life and you're missing home. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so you're, all those things that you remember uh, doing and all the full wheeling and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, I, that's what that, that's what that song was about. The things that were, that were important to me at the time. Do you remember the first song that you wrote with Brad? Uh, yes, I actually, actually do. Um, it was, uh, the title was, I still love the nightlife. And that actually goes back to, to your original question we started talking about uh what you bring to the table and and that i found myself as more of an idea guy that's when i learned that because that story actually my my discovery of what i felt feel that i do well uh came from uh my first co-writing experience with brad paisley and it was before we were we were we were actually buddies but we were kind of new buddies and I saw him at Belmont. We both went to Belmont University here in Nashville, majoring in music business. I had seen him in a couple of showcases playing guitar and uh, singing songs like Another You, which ended up going number one for David Kirsch a few years later. He sang I'm Gonna Miss Her while he was in college, which was a huge song on his second record like three to four years later. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. he was already he was already writing well above my level even back then. And so... So we got to be buddies because I told him, I said, Hey, you know, after I saw him do one of the showcases, he passed by me in my, my chair, you know, in the class and business communications, you know, and I told him, I said, I said, Hey, Brad, I saw you the other night and said, said, I just want to let you know, you're going to be a huge star one day. You know? And he said, he said, I said, ah, thanks for saying that. I, said, I don't think so, but I appreciate that. And then we just started talking and got to be buddies and everything. So we were, we were friends 
friends first, you know, as far as uh, before we got a writing relationship, which is a whole different thing. He was already better than me. He didn't know what I wrote like, but I think he was afraid if it was, wasn't good, then we wouldn't be friends anymore. You know what I mean? Cause mm-hmm. I would want to be writing and then he would just want to be buddies. And, and so that's when I was really focusing on what can I bring him? He's already better than me. And I brought him that title called Austin of the Nightlife. We wrote that in a couple hours, and then Tracy Bird cut it and put it. And wasn't a single, but it was our first cut together. How dare you accuse me of being on leash just because you haven't seen me on the town the last few weeks? You say that girl I'm seeing has somehow made me change, but I say take a closer look deep down. I'm still the same. Yeah, I still love the nightlife, even though I've settled down. Have the time of my life without leaving the house. We have our own private parties, a good times never end. Yeah, I still love the nightlife, it's the best it's ever been. What was the first hit that you and he had together? Was it uh, He Didn't Have to Be? Oh, yes. Yeah, that was that was the uh, the first the first hit we had. It was his, his first number one and my first number one. Uh, it was the fir- first thing that I'd ever had on the radio uh, and still still remember you know just where i was and what that was like when a single mom goes out on a date with somebody new it always winds up feeling more like a job interview my mama used to wonder if she'd ever meet someone who wouldn't find out about me and then turn Man, I called my dad when I was five years old. He took my mom out to a movie, and for once I got to go. A few months later, I remember lying there in bed. I overheard him pop the question, and I prayed that she'd say yes. And then all of a sudden, oh, it seems so strange to me how we went from something's missing to family. Looking back, all I can say about all the things he did for me. Cause I hope I'm at least At that point, as a, a creative person, does that get you jazzed and you start thinking, oh, my God, sky's the limit? Or do you get nervous? It's like, oh, crap, what am I going to follow that up with? How did you react? Uh, there are two different ways. Uh, then I was just excited about it, and I thought, you know, the sky's the limit. Now, once I realize how hard things are, now every time something comes out, I tell my family and everybody said, well, that's it. This is the last one, guys. This is it. It's just, no, you it's just don't. You're, you're Kelly Loveless. You're one of the best songwriters <laughs> in Nashville. Well, thank you very much. But I'm telling you, as time goes on, it's you're so thankful for them because you realize it, when, you're, when you're first starting, you just really don't realize how hard it is. You know what I mean? You just, you're just not educated. You don't. 
you haven't been in all the camps, you haven't heard all the things that can go wrong, and how many people have to love this one particular song for it to go uh, get on the radio, and how many people have their own con- their own connection to a different song, and publishers, and friends, and relatives, and girlfriends, and and wives and ex-wives. No, you can't put that out. I hate that. It makes me sad. Whatever it is, one person can ruin everything, you know. And so it's an act of God for anything to actually make it to the radio that you're on. And so, and so early on, when I first had someone on the radio, I thought to myself, this is possible. I'm going to keep digging in. I'm going to keep writing as hard as I can. I'm going to tap into this real stuff, and I'm going to have hits. And now it's just different. You're, you're always thankful when something comes out that you just you just realize how, like, one day you'll have your last hit. You just don't know when that is. Right. You know what I mean? Is, is what I have on the radio right now, is that the last one? I don't know. Hope not. But it might be. Isn't that crazy? I mean, but just like anything in life, when you're young, ignorance really is bliss. You just, you'd go, Absolutely. Ins- you'd go insane if you knew how, how great the odds were against you. Oh, yeah. Thank God I couldn't see behind the curtain then. You know, I, I would still be waiting tables. And we've talked uh, quite a bit about your relationship with Brad Paisley, but you've written for plenty of other artists too. In fact, you have um, a, a great story. I wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind sharing about how a write with Carrie Underwood actually turned into two huge hits. Is that? Do I have that right? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, it was uh, with one of, one of my best buddies, Ashley Corey, who's who's I guess the most successful commercial songwriter in the world. Uh, he has forty plus number ones. Uh, but back then, he and I wrote uh, to Me," but started thinking, well, what if she's already written something like that? You know, what if she wouldn't say that? You know, so I said, you know what, why don't you, why don't you see if you can, call your wife, see if you can stay over, you know, and uh, so we can do important things, you know, like, you know, play shuffleboard and foosball, maybe watch Rambo First Blood Part <laughs> 1, have some popcorn, and then maybe come up with some great ideas. <laughs> so, so anyway, he's over at my desk, and and, you know, he's talking to his wife, and, and, uh, and I was just chunking around on the guitar, and I'm really not a melody guy, but I was just kind of chunking around on a, on a little bit of that melody, just, and, and I wasn't trying to do a melody, it just kind of came out on that, that beautiful, wonderful uh, part on All-American Girl. And uh, while I was doing that, the title All-American Girl popped into my head, and I have no idea why it did. I don't have any sisters. Um, you know, and I, I don't have any daughters. It just popped in there. And when it did, I got really excited. And I thought, oh gosh, and so this, this could be it. This could be it. So, so he gets off the, he gets off the phone and, uh, and comes over there, you know, I pitch it to him and he, he liked it, but he didn't like it as much as our, um, as much as the first one that we had, you know? So we went in the next day, wrote with Carrie and wrote the, the first song, which is kind of a down the middle idea is good. You know, it's good enough to, you know, call mom on the way home, said, said, Hey, I wrote, wrote with Carrie Underwood. And she was going to say, ah, I'm so proud of you, son. I love Carrie Underwood. So it was going to be good enough for that. And maybe she had recorded it, maybe not, but it just wasn't really different. Uh, but, it, but a successful day. And then Ashley, you know, when we got done, done with that, Ashley went out of the room for a second and Carrie was just sitting there and she goes, well, well, that didn't take long. So I think we got time to write another one. And I, and I thought, okay, here's a chance to pitch this idea. And I said, well, so we had this one idea called All-American Girl. And she said, said, it's not about me, is it? And I said, I said, no. I said, it's about this guy. He wanted this All-American boy into having this All-American Girl. And she said, oh, that, that sounds like my dad. And I said, well, do you want to write that? And then she shrugged her shoulders, you know, and didn't, didn't say anything. Kind of like, like, I don't know. You know, 
I'm like, huh, okay, that's not in driveway affirming. Uh, and so my co-writer comes back in, Ashley comes back in, and, and we start pitching other things, you know. And she would say things like, says, well, you know, I wouldn't say that or I wouldn't say it that way. Or, or I kind of wrote one of those last week. And you can kind of just feel the energy slipping out of the room. And I thought, okay, I've got to, I've got to try this a different way. I've got to try this one more time. So I looked at Ashley, my co-writer, and I said, so Ashley, I pitched her our All-American Girl idea, but she hated it. And she said, no, I didn't. I said, it was like my dad. And I said, so do you want to write that? And she shrugged her shoulders again, like, 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 yeah, I don't know. And I went, I went okay, let's do it. Right, so we did. So we, so we proceeded with that. Just, just, it was one of those times where everyone was on the same page at the same time. And Carrie started singing this melody. We were all throwing out lyric and everything. And it was just, you know, when people, when writers talk about, Hey, it was kind of a magical day. You know, it was one of those just good chemistry days where everybody was on and everything. That that was one of those. And I haven't had tons of those, you know, um, but that that was one where everybody was in sync. And I was so excited about the idea. And we and actually and I even got out in the parking lot, you know, after that, you know, and said, he said, what happened in there? And I said, I don't know, dude. That was the best thing that ever happened in my life. Have you ever had a song that you were surprised uh, did as well as it ended up doing? Uh, that's a good question. What, what's funny is that I'm likely to, to say, say no. I'm not surprised any of them did well. However, I would have, if we were in a, sitting around a fire right now um, and, and my buddies and other co-writers were saying, they would probably bust on me and say, dude, what about such and such song? That was terrible. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, but for but for me, you know, just as I as I said here, I'll, I'll say I guess the the most the most fair one uh, would probably be the, to this question. Um, it's not that I didn't like the song; it was just that it was it was a very simple song. Uh, was a Joe Nichols? It was a top five. It's called "What's a Guy Got to Do to Get a Girl in This Town?" Just "What's a Guy Got to Do." It was a long time ago, and of course, Lee Miller and I wrote the, the Impossible for Joe Nichols, which was his first number one. And so we had a little bit of a relationship with him. So uh, me and Don Sampson and Joe Nichols wrote, what's a guy got to do to get a girl in this town? Which is, there's only two chords in the song, you know? And it's just a bunch of shotgun lyric. Uh, definitely not a masterpiece by any means. So if I would say, if, if there's a song of yours that was a single that released on the radio that didn't have to be, so to speak, it would probably be that one. Cruise all around the ride, parking lots, a little time gets killed a lot of Shot one on thinking kind of cute and laugh at every joke I got when I get to thinking maybe she's a thinking maybe not what's a guy gotta do to get a girl in this town don't wanna be alone when the sun goes down just a sweet little something to put my arms around what's a guy gotta do to get a girl in this town but what about the flip side of that are there any ideas that you've had that you've pitched maybe multiple times that other people just they haven't gained traction with anybody else but you know in your heart of hearts that by God, this is going to go somewhere. Some, I just have to find the right person. Yeah, and some some of those um, you you kind of you kind of forget about some of them because it is kind of about what you're writing uh, today. What what happens is once you write them and you have something really special, and um, you still think about them, but you, they do kind of slip your mind because you realize for whatever reason they didn't they didn't get out there and they didn't get recorded. 
they say that all great songs will find a home eventually. I don't believe that to be true. I do believe they will keep getting pitched, and sometimes they do. But if you look at the course of your whole career and you go back and you look at look at them, I'm sure I would say, even if you took me a year back, you know, and somebody says, oh, I love that song. Can you believe it hadn't been recorded? And I would say, dang, I totally forgot. Gosh, I love that. Yeah, I wish I wish somebody would have. But yeah, sometimes it's uh, it's the songs that do get recorded that end up on somebody's record and their album cuts, which you're thankful of getting them recorded. But this day and time, if you're doing songwriting for a living, the only way we can make a living and stay in business and stay in your current house is to get things on the radio. So if you have a special song and it doesn't get released as a single, then that's a travesty. Do you have a song in mind? Because this is a podcast. There's no program director. I can play a snippet of it right now. Is there a song that you have in mind? Uh, there, yeah, there's there's a song. Uh, actually, it's on Chesney's record. It's a story song. You know, it's called "Where I Grew Up." It's on uh, Hemingway's whiskey, and it's one of those songs to me. It's just a just one of those three pronged country songs. Is what we used to say, like the three, you know, the three little stories. Um, and it's, it's one of my favorites, and he cut it great. It just didn't make it out as a single. Left a marks on the pantry door of that little house Where Mama used to measure us I'm proud to say that's my home where I was raised That ain't where I grew up See, I gained a little old father time The summer my granddaddy died The first time I saw mama cry Man, this sure was tough Felt like I put on a few years Watching daddy wipe her tears In my little cotton towel Standing in that cemetery mud That's where I grew up So I do want to ask you, because you, you are a, a terrific, a very successful songwriter, and I'm sure you're going to continue to be a successful songwriter, but you're also a, a book writer, and for those who listen to this podcast uh, who are aspiring songwriters that are looking for tips, you actually have a book for aspiring songwriters, right? I do. It's uh, uh, I have most of them in a closet in my office in boxes. <laughs> but you'll personally what? mail them out to anybody who wants one, right? Yes, yes. I do have I do have a web a website, and uh, that'd be that'd be the best place for them to get them. And then the the web guy just sends it to me. The book itself is about ten years old, but the information is great. And the reason I wrote that was once I got out of Belmont and I had a couple years of street smarts on Music Row, I was trying to cut off a few years of of legwork and wasted time for aspiring songwriters just by educating them. If, if there's one piece of advice you can give to somebody who wants to be a songwriter, they think they have the ideas or the melodies or whatever somewhere inside of them, what's their first step? The first step I always tell people, is you have to you do have to work on your your idea originality. You have to get opinions outside of your mom and dad and brothers and boyfriends and girlfriends because they're going to love it. And unless you're just terrible, you know the thing is 
people who love you, uh, they're going to encourage you. And so it's good to get outside that family circle to play somewhere, somewhere in your town. You do it in you know, a church, a bar, you know, school, something that where people don't know you to see if your response is the same as your mama's. You know, that's just what's one thing you can do just kind of in, in your town. You can also, uh, and, and as far as going for it, as far as a, a living, as far as a business, like if you say, hey, I, I want to do this for a living, then I definitely suggest the, the long-term thing is you, if it's country, then you need to be, need to be in Nashville. You know, if you want to surf, you know, you, you need to be by an ocean. And that's just my, my thing. You know, now there's Songland and things out there like that. There's American Idol. There's, you know, voice, all that. There's different avenues. But ultimately, even if somebody's song gets recognized on Songland or whatever, uh, you still can't sit on your porch in Kansas and be the biggest songwriter in the world. It's impossible. You're still going to have to move toward it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you really, really want it, uh, you're, it's not going to have, like for me, if I wouldn't have moved from Chattanooga, which is not a long, it's not a long uh, move, but there's no way any of this would have happened for me, period. I don't care who says that if I, if I happen to be somebody's favorite songwriter, they would have never heard my name or any of my songs, nor would I have written any of those great songs that, that I'm a part of because I wouldn't have written them with those people that I wrote them with. Because if I could write a hit song by myself, then I would. But you can look at my bio and everything I've had and I wrote those hit songs with other hit songwriters because for me, what I need to write a hit song is other hit songwriters. And I think that's important sometimes for other people at home to, to hear and to know is that your talent can be exposed and heightened with the other talented people in the room that accentuate what you do, where you're just feeding off the creativity of these other people and, and, and you're, you're almost competing with them in the room on something that you all collectively own, which is weird and cool at the same time. And I bet it's because, fun as hell, too. Yeah, because you're, when you get in there with somebody that you feel is, is better than you, which is that, that's what I'd love to do every day. I'd love to write with somebody better than me every day because then I've got pressure. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to impress that person and throw out these, throw out these lines. You know, if I'm writing by myself, well, I already kind of like me, you know, so, 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 so something that I say, I, and I'm the only judge, I say, hey, Kelly, that's pretty dang good, Hoss. You still got it. But if I threw it out to you, Tom, and you're in the writing room, you say, ah, dude, that sounds like everybody else. I like everything else. Well, and then I'd say, okay, all right, you're pushing me a little bit. You know what I mean? I do like the four bars idea. You need to run with that. We're not going to forget about that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, man. It's been a joy talking to you. Hey, an absolute honor, Tom. I sure appreciate it. All right. Take care. Okay. See you, brother. Wiped the footprints off my dash, tore up those sun-faded photographs, threw them in the wind. Y'all can have her back. I'm out of here. I stuck my middle finger. And that will do it for this month's edition of Write You a Song. 
Wait till we tell you who next month's guest is. We'll get to that in just a second. First, though, want to thank Songwriter City again. They help line up the guests for this show, and they can help hook you up with a songwriter or two or five for your corporate event. They do their hits. They share the stories behind them. It's an amazing evening of entertainment, and it's completely different, unlike anything your employees or guests have ever seen before. Find out more at songwritercity.com, songwritercity.com. And again, if you like this podcast, please take a moment, give it a review. That helps spread the word. We would love to see more people picking up on this podcast because we love spotlighting the songwriters who help make Nashville go. Speaking of, our guest next month is one of the biggest hitters in the Nashville songwriter lineup. And I got my chainsaw. But my favorite color is me. People say I got a drinking problem. She kept the hotel key. He's creative, he's smart, and he's really, really funny. Josh Osborne joins us next month on Write You a Song. I'm Tom Maley. Thank you again for listening.